Welcome to Creating Synergy, where we explore what it takes to transform. Whether you are transforming yourself, your team, your business, or your community, we'll connect you with insightful and challenging leaders who share their stories of successful transformations to give you practical ideas for your own journey. Join us for another insightful episode of Creating Synergy. Welcome back to the Creating Synergy podcast. My name is Daniel Franco. I am your host and today we welcome back Michelle Holland yet again. Back again. Thank you very much, Michelle, for being here. No worries. Michelle is Director of Synergy IQ and also the author of three books, one being Culture Incorporated, which or Culture Inc., I should say, which is Create a Business that Delivers Results and that people love. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the culture and, and the journey and what actually does it mean to, uh, to think about culture, how do we improve culture, how do we do a little bit of a health check on our culture and what is it all, all things culture within business. So, all things culture. So I think we'll start off with the, with the burning question, what is your definition of culture yeah. within an organisation? I think that's a good way of asking it actually is what's my definition because there are a number of different definitions of culture and um, I guess let's take it just a step back. So culture is actually an anthropological um, approach, methodology, yeah. right? So we look at culture from society point of view. We now have broken that into business culture as well. So, you know, there's a uh, an author called Michael Henderson and he actually calls himself a corporate anthropologist anthropologist which yeah. I just love that that's what I want to be as well Cult, a, a corporate anthropologist and one of the quotes that I just love from him is that he says you know people often ask me if culture is the new thing in business and his response is no business is the new thing in culture mm. because culture has been around for a million years culture just is culture just is that's exactly right so we have cultures in society we have cultures in the world and we have cultures within businesses and within teams. So what is culture? Culture, um, one of the, I guess, the common sayings about culture is culture is the way we do things around here. Mm. So it is and it's why we do them that way. So when we think about it in that terminology, so culture is the way we do things around here and why we do them that way Really, there's not much in a business that you can think about that isn't culture mm. because it's the way we do things around here and why we do them that way. So it comes down to the expectations that are set in the business. It comes down to the interactions we're having with people in the business, the relationships we build, the intersection between processes the systems that we've put into place, the structural elements that we've put into place. It's the DNA, essentially, of a business. This is why it's actually quite complex to actually look at culture within a business and understand how to shift and change it mm. if we want to shift and change it because it really is in every single pore in the organisation. Mm. So before we get to the point of wanting to shift and change, mm. why would a culture be not so good? 
Oh, look, I think for me the the most critical part of the culture is is it delivering the results that you want your business to deliver? Mm. Like if your business is delivering the exact results that you want it to deliver and whatever those results are, and we're talking broadly, not just we want to make 100 widgets so we make 100 widgets, but we want to be the, you know, best widget maker in South Australia, let's mm-hmm. say. We want to be known for our widgets. We want to have people lining up at the door to work for us to make our widgets. You know, there's a lot of success factors that you have to look at. So if we're looking at a broad success factor, the culture needs to be whatever it needs to be to deliver the results that you want to get. So if you want to be the best widget maker and you want to have people lined up at your door that want to work with you, then then you need a culture that actually supports your people, supports innovation, supports productivity, supports uh, performance, supports the customer experience to enable you to reach those two objectives and targets. So are you saying that those with a culture that's not so great can still deliver amazing results? Uh, so I ask that in a different way. Mm-hmm. Business A is looking to make $100 million in widget sales. Mm-hmm. That is our KPI. That's all we care about. Mm-hmm. The people get treated incorrectly. The leadership is all over the shop. Mm-hmm. They're still a successful business. They in that one yeah. one critical success factor. Correct. Yeah. And look, if that is their only critical success factor, then they do have the culture that they need to deliver the result that they want to get. The other results that they will end up having, which are the consequences of that, are people will leave, people will feel bad, people might put in um, you know claims against them. There might not be as much productivity that actually happens. The customer is not getting the experience that they need but they might be delivering the number of widgets that they actually want to deliver. So it's all the other headaches that come with it. It's all the other headaches, that's right. So you choose the behaviour, you choose the consequence. It's the same as in culture. You choose the culture, you choose the outcome. So what's the perfect mix? Is there one? There's no perfect mix, no. No, but there is um, better cultures than other cultures because if you really look at success factors for a business, then there is the profitability success factor. There is also the customer experience success factor there is also the sustainability success factor Uh, am I going to be here next year even though I'm you know I might be making 100 widgets this year and that's great for me is that going to be enough for next year to Mm. be here or in 10 years do I have the right kind of leadership in place etc so what are the actual success factors and if we're looking much more broadly like more of that what they call the triple bottom line you know not just the money but also you know am I doing the right thing for society am I doing the right thing for my people am I doing the right thing for my customer then there are different ways of instilling or having a culture that's going to deliver those results as opposed to another so when you look at something like um, say an organization that's really strong on sales and that's their you know, sales are everything to us. They usually, they'll have things like um, KPIs on the board. They might even have a ranking system, all of those sort of things. They'll have all their, the names of the salespeople, you know, you're supposed to hit 100 target this week. You've hit 120 and they've hit, the other person's hit 50. Mm. So then there's that element of competitiveness that actually happens. So again, they're driving a culture of competitiveness to get a particular result from that. And 
that might be a good result as far as one element of success but not the other elements of success. There's always negative consequences to those kind of cultures and generally as people get burnt out, you know, they might Mm. not be able to stick around for as long. Um, There's a high level of turnover. Yeah, I was going to – with staff turnover and and the burnout and all the stress levels and everything, that that just instantly reduces uh, productivity. It does. Well, it's a cost to the business, right? So those negative um, indicators of the business or those negative outcomes for the business is, um, you know, when you look at turnover, for example, you lose one staff member, you can lose anything up uh, from – their entire salary, like the cost of their entire salary for one year, up to if you lose an executive member that's been with you for 10 years and has been performing for those 10 years, it could be a times six of their um, their salary that you're paying them. So if they're on a $300,000 salary, you're losing almost $2 million in one year because you've lost that one staff member. You know, and that's through productivity, efficiencies, getting new people up to scratch, getting a new one in, like recruitment, all mm. of these. Um, loss of, like if it's a really good leader, loss of message. Loss of message. You could lose other people underneath them as well. You lose traction. You lose momentum. You bring in an yeah. uh, inferior leader, I guess, as well. That's exactly right. Not hitting the Everything targets. could change from there on in. So if you are choosing a culture that's only delivering on an economic outcome and you're forgetting everything else then the economic outcome will eventually be impacted by all these other measures Mm. so really when you're focused only there then it's a very short-term focus Mm. so when we talk about you know a a culture that actually is um useful we I, i call it an effective culture it's effective yeah right and that's what we want to aim for we want to aim for effective culture yeah so what is an effective culture? Well, that's essentially a culture that's delivering more than just financial outcomes. This is a culture that the positive outcomes and the positive um, impact is more than the negative impact, all right? So things like um, people are interacting in a way that's not detrimental to the other person, all right? So it could be that, you know, when we're engaging in uh, learning, You know, learning is something that's encouraged within effective outcomes. And learning means that I need to get feedback on my my performance. So whether I get feedback because I can see the outcome of what I'm doing or I get feedback from other people on the impact of what I'm doing, um, regardless of how it comes, I need to get that feedback if I want to be focused on learning Effective cultures are focused on learning. Mm. So that means that we have to have people within that business that are able to give effective feedback and not just feedback of you didn't do that and it really frustrated me and go do it next time, but feedback that actually is about how I can grow, how I can learn, how I can develop from the information that I'm gathering. That's important. Absolutely. So effectiveness in culture is more important than, you know, anything else. I guess where things get a bit muddy is when you go, okay, what's a good culture? What's a bad culture? You know, is there bad cultures? And you hear this a lot, you know. I am. Which is the autocratic type culture, do as I say. Yeah, yeah. And look, they have negative impacts on the people within the business. So as soon as there's negative impacts on the people within the business, the people report that the culture is bad. Mm. 
So it's, it is really interesting because this is where we start going, well, that's actually just one input into culture. So the leadership is one input into culture. There's all these other inputs into culture as well. But that is such a big impact on the people that are within the business that it has a almost a um, an exponential negative impact on everyone else. Mm. So if you've got leadership that aren't skilled, that are autocratic, that are micromanagement, you know, micromanagers, that sort of thing, then you're going to get those higher levels of negative impact on people and therefore the people will report that the culture is poor mm. because they're not able to do their job because the other impacts of culture is the processes, the systems, the ability to deliver, you know, all of those elements. If I can't do that unless I get my manager involved, then it, there's a frustration that happens, yeah. you know, and then frustration creates conflict with other people because I'm frustrated, you're frustrated, so we get frustrated at each other, you know, and there's all this blow up that ends mm. up. It's this massive ripple effect that happens across businesses. Um, and what we're wanting to do with culture is go, okay, what are the barriers to getting effective outcomes? What are the barriers to having great interactions? What are the barriers to me being able to deliver the best I can for my customer? And those barriers, if they're, they're part of the culture, we can remove them then the culture gets more effective, mm. it gets better. In your book, Culture Inc., you describe the form, flow and feel of a business. It really actually opened my eyes in the way of thinking <laughs> about culture when I, when I read it. And, and you know, I listened to you speak quite a fair bit. The piece of where you – and I have heard you spoken. I'd like you to elaborate on this a little bit more. When you talk about the people of the business, like I really love my leader. I love my manager. I love the people that I work with. It's really fantastic. But I just – I don't like the systems. I don't like the process. It mm -hmm. takes 16 signatures to get something over the line. <laughs> So it's a bit of a push and pull between mm. what is a good culture and what is a bad. Is, is it, you're saying culture is all connected in your form, flow and feel. Can you talk more about that? That's a really mm. interesting point. Yeah, absolutely. So the way that I look at so what I said before was it's the way we do things around here mm -hmm. and it's why we do them that way. So I break that down into what I call the form, flow and feel mm -hmm. um, elements of the business. So form is what do we use to form the business? So it's the foundation stones of the business. So that's the structural elements that are holding our culture in place. So things like the vision, the values, the strategy, the governance, you know, the, the, the leadership decision-making, that yeah. sort of stuff keeps our culture in place. The strategy? The strategy. strategy yeah. yeah, yeah. So these are all the structural elements that have created the expectation for our culture. Then we've got the flow. So that's the, the way the work flows through the business mm. essentially. So it's, okay, we've got the structural elements of the strategy. How do we actually operationalise that strategy? So these are things that we use like the systems that we use, the processes, the interactions is where the behaviour outcomes come into it. So how I behave at work, how I interact with each other, you know, all of those kind of elements, the relationship part of it. It's the interaction pieces between the processes, you know, it's the, is there overlaps in processes? Is there a disconnect? Is there a disconnect between teams, you know, silos and all that sort of stuff? So this is how the work flows through the business. The feel is then the, it's almost the outcome of those two things. 
So it's are people engaged? Are they motivated by the environment? We have mm. motivation from within, mm. but is the environment enabling us to be motivated? Is it enabling us or is it holding us back? It's the outcomes. It's the customer experience. It's the employee experience. So I believe that the employee experience is directly correlated to the customer experience. Mm. So this is why, you know, you know, we talk about what why what does culture even matter? Like what does it matter how the processes flow within a business? Well, it matters because the impact of a very slow, frustrating process is that you have slow, frustrating outcomes, which means that people are frustrated, which means that when they're talking to their customer, they're going, Oh, well, yeah, we'll be able to deliver that, but maybe in six months or yeah. so. Yeah. You know, how bad an experience <laughs> oh, is that for the customer? The amount of times I've gotten frustrated with a business because they said, yeah, that'll be a four-week turnaround. I was like, it's literally come over and push a button yeah. or something like that. That's exactly it, right. But it's all it the internal it processes. Yeah. It's the 16 signatures. You yeah. know, it's all the meetings that they have to have because of that. You know, it's it's really – it is a – a frustration for your customer. Mm. This is why that flow. Im- it, sorry, that, that has an impact on your brand image and oh, everything, doesn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. It's massive, yeah. I mean, one of the chapters in the book is actually your culture is your brand. Yeah. And well, that, that's the reality, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you think about, you know, businesses, you're talking about brand and, and the differentiation between one business and another, it's the brand. It's mm. the, the way in which they operationalize you can have three companies that produce cars but the way in which they produce that car and get it to market Mm. is going to set them apart from the other two car manufacturers Mm. it's the way the people who work within the business talk about the business that's exactly right are they excited to be part of this business or are they not you go into a and you know i'm an apple fan but you go into an apple store and you deal with the people that are in the apple store it's very different it's than a dealing cult life. Like, it is. It, it is, and cult culture, right? Yeah. So it very much is. You can see that they're really connected to their mm. brand. They're really connected to their business. They're really um, a certain kind of person is is um, employed within those stores. You interact with them. It's a retail store. Mm. It's very different than walking into a David Jones or a Coles or a, a Meyer or a Kmart mm. and dealing with the people there. They have a very different feel. And that's culture in action. And that's where it impacts on the customer. So people go into the Apple store to have the experience of being in the Apple mm. store. We don't do the same in Coles. No, but We it's go the, into Coles it, to it just get it, stuff. Because, it, I mean, we as customers understand Apple's mission, don't we? Like totally. It, it's, we get that they're trying to change the world. Absolutely. And, yeah, it filters yeah. through. Yeah. It's amazing how much I mean, you, you look think at, about it. Oh, it's it? it's such a different and that that part of, you know, the brand aspect and the different the different outcomes or the different outwardly looking um part of the business is all as a result of the internal workings of the business. Mm-hmm. So when you look at um Tesla, for example, I know mm-hmm. you're a big oh. Elon fan. Although he's probably a bit more autocratic, but anyway. Well, he is particularly, (laughs) but when you look at the culture of the business, so that's a leadership thing. When we look at the culture of the business, what he's instilled in the culture of the business is the customer user experience comes first, which is very similar to Apple's And he's a very good visionary as well. That's right. So you go to a Ford dealership and there's a bunch of cars just lying around outside. There's people wandering in in and out of them. You go to a Tesla dealership. 
Is there even a Tesla dealership? There's a Tesla dealership in Sydney. In you Sydney. go there. It's in the main – it's in Mar- uh, Martin Place. Oh, yeah, it's in the main. It's actually in a retail store. The yeah. car is inside. You know, they've got these three cars that you walk into. You can sit in them, you play with them. And if you want to drive one, then you book an appointment mm. to take it out on a test drive. You know, there's this whole different experience. And if you want to buy one, you can buy it, you have to buy it online. That's exactly right. So it's a so very, good. very different experience. The Tesla is a car. Yeah. It's a different kind of car, oh. but it's just a car. It's the future. It's a <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to win this argument. It's just a car. <laughs> He does the same with SpaceX <laughs> as well, which mm. is his other business. And yeah, I know yeah, I could go on about Elon all day, but <laughs> you, you walk into the he, – so he's got the mission of putting human mm-hmm. beings. So the mission, I, I guess, is human, he doesn't believe that human beings should be uh, confined to planet Earth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so he wants to um, populate Mars as his first point of call. So as you walk through the doors of SpaceX, there's uh, humans have um, have spread around on Mars and there's a big mm. picture as you walk in through the door. So the mission and strategy and the vision is there yeah. the moment you walk through the door. This That's is it. where we want to be. This is where we want to get to. If you're working here, this is what uh, you're part of. That's exactly And that's it. why they're successful. Absolutely. And that is how culture is established. So when we look at that vision and mission and the big picture of Mars and the fact that, you know, that inspirational aspect of the vision is very, very forefront that's the structure elements of the culture that they're trying to create there Mm. whether they've done it on purpose or not that is the culture Mm. that they're creating and therefore they have systems and practices and processes to enable that to happen Mm. they couldn't populate mars if they had to get 16 signatures Mm. every time they wanted to make an innovation they couldn't populate mars if they weren't allowed to crash their rockets that's exactly right yeah if there was a blame culture they couldn't do it because they have there's a necessity for an innovation outcome Mm. therefore they have to have systems and processes and behaviors and mindset and thinking in place that represents the outcome of innovation So this is where culture is a big part of the play. If innovation, let's say, is one of the expectations, so that's part of the vision, it's part of the strategy, it's part of the value set, structural elements, expectations. And then we have a business that has a lot of process, a lot of uh, cumbersome systems, a lot of management Uh, interplay particularly in decision making so for me to make and do something new I have to get sign off by my team leader who has to get sign off from the general manager who has to get sign off from the CEO before and then of course we've got to go to finance and get the budget and all of these sort of things so my new idea that's really I'm expected to have new ideas because innovations in strategy innovations Mm -hmm. in the the values, innovations in the vision, and yet the way in which I'm working, so how I work here, doesn't support that, Mm. then your culture is going to unravel. So this is where the three things need to play, right? So we need to have innovation in the expectations, the form. We need to have our systems that are set up so that we can operationalize and be innovative, 
So, so, so it's almost like setting it up. It is. To get out of the way of what we're trying, totally. to, trying to achieve. Totally. Well, not, not to get out of the way, to enable. To enable it to yeah. happen, yeah. So when we look at the systems, the systems are how are we recruiting people in who've got the ability, the capabilities, the capacity, the mindset, the thinking to be innovative mm. and then we bring them into the business and then we need to make sure that the processes, the structures, the uh, management, the decision-making, all of those things are facilitate that person who's got this great thinking mindset around innovation to be able to be innovative. It's amazing how much recruitment is so paramount to the success of a business and the recruitment process, I should say, because you can go and hire anyone that's technical, Hmm. right? But if that technical person is... uh, almost cancerous to the business, I guess, it starts eating it away from the inside, mm. then that's a problem. But if you've yep. hired someone who is a visionary and interested in learning and interested and happy to make mistakes and bought mm-hmm. into the, you know, the Jim Collins, he's on the bus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then it, it's completely different genetic makeup of that business, isn't it? It Well, it can be mm. as long as the culture enables that person to actually play to their strengths. Yes. Because if you bring somebody like that, I'm, I'm, I'll pick on government for now, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of government departments that have innovation in their value yes, set. And yet when you walk into those government organisations, if you've got an innovation mindset and you walk in there, then you want to get things done, mm. right? And you've got this huge purpose and meaning that sits behind why you want to get things done as well because you're building a community. And then you come up a against all of this, the processes that I have to go through to make a new thing happen. I go through the procurement process that takes six months to be able to purchase something new or get a new consultant on board that's going to help innovate in a certain area. I have to get, you know, everybody to sign off around me. I have to get a committee together before if 10, 12 people in the room to consult with them before I'm able to make a choice to do something different. So I might be innovative, have great innovation mindset, but the system that I'm working within is not set up to help me to be innovative. So I end up going one in two ways. I end up becoming... I go. I become part of the system, or I go rogue. Mm. And you know, when you go rogue, then you're seen as a problem mm. instead of seen as somebody who's delivering on great things. I worked for an organisation years ago, and there was one guy in there. He was absolutely rogue, and he delivered amazing things, <laughs> right? But he was only able to deliver those amazing things because he went rogue. Mm. And it was a real contrast and people were like, oh, the stuff that he's done is amazing. They couldn't stand him though because he kept going rogue. Yeah. He didn't follow the processes. It's like, well, if he pro- followed the processes, you wouldn't he have wouldn't got that on. outcome. Is there a third option there though? The third option is leave. They leave these people. Well, the, yeah, I guess the third option is leave and probably yeah. the fourth option is they eventually get a faction together to enable the change mm. to happen. So if that new person is far enough up the tree to have the influence that they need to have – and they can make a change, then they'll make a change. Well, I think the leaving ones are important for me. It stands out because you're hiring these great people, 
And it's the, it's the old Steve Jobs quote, you know, you don't hire any great people and tell them what to do. Yeah, you, that's you, right. You get them to that's tell right. you what to do. Hire people who are better than you. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so if you're hiring in these people and they are feeling stifled in their role, you've 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 spent all that time and effort and you talk about money and turnover from just the recruitment process mm. and loss of people and whatnot only to see them walk out the door and you've potentially lost one of the you've potentially lost someone that could have changed the way the business yeah um moved forward and increased yeah. productivities and increased profits and everything like that mm-hmm. because the system wasn't unable to change the government's a tough one because they spend customer the 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 community's money, isn't it really? So it's always a, sm- a slow moving. Well, it's, beast, it is it? interesting that you bring that up because what I f- have found in my experience, I've worked with a lot of government organisations and been involved, you know, in a, um, whether I've worked for them or consulted with them mm-hmm. and just watching the political environment that we, we are, you know, within mm-hmm. There is a lot of wasted money spent <laughs> trying to stop wasting money. Money, mm. a lot. Yeah, you know, you think about the amount of money that's actually spent in these committees that are put together so that you know there's a, a robust decision making around spending public money. You've probably spent more in those committees and the, the wasted 12, 12 time. This is it. Like the workforce wastage in a lot of this space is huge. The efficiency wastage is huge. You know, the the amount of um, dollars that are spent in trying to make one decision to spend, you know, $100,000 probably almost equates to the $100,000 plus it's, you know, delayed the outcome by six months down the track. So all of a sudden the decision that was being made six months ago is not valuable anymore, particularly yeah. in the world of technology. Like if you were making a decision six months after the ideas come up, that idea is already redundant. Yeah, there's new technology out. It's too late. The, the question I'm going to ask then is, is the importance of the public community understanding the business, the, the government corporation's vision Right? Would that would would it allow the government to take more risk if they were transparent and said, "This is what we're trying to achieve." Yeah. Look. Um, or you're always going to get the people that are going to tear it down. It is a very complex, wicked problem. Yeah. Right. So there's no one. If you go down a rabbit hole. Yes, that's know. right. So this is what you would call an adaptive complex change mm. or adaptive challenge, because there are so many moving parts in it. There is one element of the government, we elect the government to perform on our behalf. So therefore, there has to be an element of leadership in that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes leadership means delivering what we didn't know we needed, Mm. you know, and convincing us and influencing us that it is actually what's right for us. Um, You know, this goes back to the Henry Ford quote, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have told me faster horses. Yeah but I provided them with a motor car, you know, it was a very different outcome. So there is an element of a lack of leadership in that we, we hire them to act on our behalf and our, in our best interests. There's the four year uh, survival mentality of politicians. Mm. So if I'm going to get hired again and it's hired, right? Because it's a job, I'm getting paid good money to be in this job for four years. years. What can I achieve? It's actually going to get me hired 
next time round. So it's very short-term thinking. And whereas to be a really good political leader, you need to have a very long-term thinking. Mm. You know, to do the right thing for the country, I have to be thinking 20 years into the future. And what's going to be right 20 years in the future or 50 years in the future but that ain't going to get me elected next time. That's right. So this is a this is a very complex. Well, we're seeing we're seeing what's going on with the Australians Australian government at the moment with COVID, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so there's this big promotion. Oh, we're saving you 129 dollars on your water bill. My first way of thinking and having previously worked in the utility (laughs) my first thinking was okay you're going to save us each person in the public 129 dollars on their water bill per year what are we actually now not delivering Mm -hmm. what are we stopping what are we what future are we uh, uh, holding back absolutely and so yeah, so that's the sh- I guess the short term thinking coming out. It is very short term mm. thinking, but that gets pe- that gets politicians elected again. Mm. And look, if you take this then, because that's a culture, mm-hmm. right? So the culture that we have is that one we don't trust politicians to do the right thing. So therefore, there's a expectation that politicians would be completely visual on everything that they're doing. So mm. there's this two way street that's going. We don't trust you, so you have to prove your worth to us. So they're constantly trying to prove their worth to us, which means that they have to do short-term thinking. So there's this like, it's almost like a hamster wheel. So if you think about that in the context of an organisation, it's the same thing. If I as a staff member don't trust the managers are going to be doing the right thing for me, I'm constantly going to be watching them. If the managers constantly feel watched, then they might not make the decisions and changes that need to be made yeah. because they're being watched and they think that they're going to upset somebody. You know, so there's this, just this hamster wheel that ends up happening. Mm. And this is where culture is so difficult to shift because it is it does permeate into everything that we do and every decision that we make. So if we're in an environment, let's say, that um, isn't collaborative, that um, is a blame, like there's a lot of blame and shame that actually happens within the business. And... You know, when we say blame and shame as well, that stuff isn't the overt scary stuff that we see on the news. Blame and shame happens in most organisations that we walk into. Mm. We see it all the time, even if it's just the perception of blame and shame. You know, I I don't know how many conversations I've had with people going, oh, no, I can't do that because I'm going to get into trouble and, okay, what's the fear, I'll say to them. Oh, well, you know, they might lose my job. I said, okay, so how many people have been terminated in the, the this workplace because of that particular thing? Oh, I think there was a guy like 15 years ago <laughs> that was terminated because of that. I'm like, oh, 15 years ago is a long time, you know. I worked for a CEO who had a reputation, like he was like one of these, um, you know, he had this scary reputation for being a being a bit of a, excuse the French, a bastard, right? And I worked with him and he was a very innovative thinker and he was very fast moving and absolutely he would hold you accountable and he'd kick your ass if you didn't get the right thing happening but he would also celebrate when you did. Mm. But there was this real fear in the organisation about, oh, you know, he's going to get rid of us or whatever and I would say to them, how many people in the last 10 years do you think he's terminated because of what you're talking about? was a big fat zero a big fat zero so I said that's the worst case scenario for you in an organization what's the best case scenario it's going to take something pretty extreme for him to get rid of that's exactly right yeah but there was this fear because 
of the blame and shame because the blame and shame tends to be a little bit more underhanded. Mm. So, you know, we're in those kind of environments. It's hard to make change because when we want to make a change, so we talk about culture shift now. So we need to shift around how we're doing the work, all right? So say the why we're doing the work, the expectation is we want to be innovative. Mm -hmm. How we're doing the work is, well, we're not able to do that because of all the systems and practices. Therefore, the outcome is I feel like I'm not able to be innovative here because I'll get blamed if I try something or the processes don't let me or I'm going to get the no straight away. So that's how I'm feeling. So I then go, well, we need to make a change with that. So do we make a change in the expectations? What we could do and just take away innovation and then the system flows a little bit more, right? It's like, okay, no, innovation wasn't what we actually wanted. Or we go, yes, innovation is definitely what we want. How do we, we need to change the systems and practices. To change the systems and practices, I have to be willing to be brave and be innovative. And have a budget. And, and all those things. But then to do that, I have to go through this cultural system yeah. that I'm playing within to make that change. It becomes frustrating. I don't bother. Yeah. So we this wa- is We waste money. That's I'm it. I'm trying to save money. So to change your culture, <laughs> you're changing your culture from within the culture that you're actually working. Yeah. So it's a real, sh- it's, a, it's a tough shift. Yeah. You work with many businesses trying to help them improve culture. Mm-hmm. We've had we've often had this discussion <laughs> where we get called Synergy IQ gets called to come in to help improve a, a, a culture of a business, mm-hmm. take them from good to great, because we're always getting called by really forward-thinking leaders. We often get spoken to from certain people around the traps, saying you need to go and work with such and such business because mm-hmm. they're really. Terrible culture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and our response is always, well, we're never going to get a call no. from, from that leader. That's right. We only get called in to help culture with good leaders. Why is that? Because the reason they're good leaders is because they recognise that culture is important. But their p- culture is all probably already half decent if they've got a good yeah. leader in place. So this is the oh, this is the... It's fundamental. The rub. <laughs> yeah. It is the rub. And yeah. look, I think um, the most toxic cultures are led by toxic leaders, yeah. right? That's the reality. Um, and those are the companies that generally culture change people don't get called into. The yeah. people who get called into those businesses are lawyers. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones that go into those businesses. So for the people who work for these businesses, what is the suggestion? How do they manage? For, get out. Get out. If it's toxic, get out. But if you're passionate about the cause of what the business is doing and it's toxic, then what happens? Look, uh, we're going into a whole different place now, yeah. which is really uh, if it's toxic. And what I classify as toxic is very much in the legal sense of the, the, the okay. term. So, yeah. you know, there's bullying, there's harassment, there's yeah. sexism, there's racism, there's, you know, all of those negative bullying, there's, you know, health issues, there's safety yeah, issues, yeah, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So those oh, outcomes yeah. are toxic. Get out. yeah. yeah, they're they're toxic. And, you know, if there's no ability to make change, then the, for your own personal safety, you need to get out, mm. you know. And the more people that get out, the business will will either go, we need to do something about yeah. this or we're going to close up shop. 
Yeah. That's the reality. Well, the, yeah, the CEO or whoever might Somebody get replaced will, and yeah. then we've got a then we've got a shift a new ecosystem. Absolutely. And it and it is an ecosystem. Mm. That's a that's a the the word to use for this. So, you know, those kind of businesses aside, when we walk into the businesses that we actually get called into, they're not toxic. Mm. You know, even though sometimes people will say the the culture is toxic, it's not mm. actually. It's probably not as effective as it could be. It's not as comfortable as it could be. I think be. that's the word, effectiveness. Is yeah, word. yeah, and it's not enjoyable, you know, mm. for many people. You know, there's a lot of frustration in it. There might be anger. And because there's frustration and anger, you get conflict. And when you get conflict, again, you get anger and frustration. Mm. So it's this, you know, roundabout. Um, they're not – that's not what I classify as toxic. Um, mm. I've been in this game for way too long mm. to go, that's – kind of natural that's, human that's behavior business, it? Yeah. yeah it is and it's just that is actually where a lack of there's a lack of leadership there's a lack of management there's a lack of um, capability there's a lack of trust there's a lack of uh, uh, looking at systems in the way that actually are they supporting or, or stopping us from being able to do our job um, there's an apathy sometimes yep. so that's what I think one of the most dangerous things in cultures and organizations is apathy I was um Years ago, I was sitting when I was quite um, new into the HR space and I remember sitting in this big HR department, the big organisation. I was an employee at the time and they'd already gone through maybe two or three shifts and change, you know, in this in this HR space. You know, was it going to be devolved out to the managers? Is it going to be centralised mm-hmm. back and forth, back and forth? So they brought in this consultant to come in to, you know, look at the whole structure and, and uh, did a structural review. And I remember the, the, uh, the HR director at the time standing there with this consultant and they were talking about the changes that were being made and what was coming next and all of this sort of stuff. And there was silence. There was not one question from anybody in that room. It was complete silence. And the two people standing there went, oh, well, it seems to be that everybody understands what's going on, so we might as well, you know, we'll wrap up the <coughs> we'll wrap up on. this meeting and we'll yep. move on. And I was sitting there as a junior HR person going, oh, my God, there is nothing worse than silence mm. because absolutely you know if there's silence in all of those conversations, people have given up. Yeah. They just don't care anymore. Do what you yeah. like. I don't care. They're, yeah. they're planning what's on their resume. They're thinking about when they're going to be able to apply for the next job. Worrying. They're going out or they're just turning up presenteeism. You know, they just turn up, do whatever they need to, collect their paycheck and go. This is just, yeah, another change. Death, yeah. death to yeah. organisation that yeah. is silence. You know, so that, if you talk about toxic, that's almost, yeah, you know, yeah, one of the yeah, more toxic sure. things is apathy. But um, so, you know, really good leaders tend to bring us in because what they actually do is they recognise that the business isn't as efficient as it could be. They recognise that there is a, uh, you know, maybe a transformation that they need to make. Maybe that the management of certain areas isn't working as well as it could. There might be conflict that they see happening somewhere. Uh, It might be that there is, um, you know, an area within the business that doesn't seem to be delivering what they need to be delivering. Uh, there's conversation about silos, like teams aren't working together, you know, all this sort of stuff. 
it doesn't mean nothing's happening in the business. Mm. There's still lots that's going on. You know, most government organisations and, you know, all of those private companies and whatnot, even if they don't have the most effective or efficient culture or outcomes, they're still delivering stuff. Yeah, absolutely. People are still busy all day long. So this long. is why we, you say the good to great model, isn't it? Because it's a good to great. what they're doing is already good. It's good. It's just about getting them to great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean the interesting thing I find, and this is a Jim Collins quote, is good is the enemy of great. Mm. And I think that's what I see more often than yeah. toxicity. Toxicity is one of those things mm. where you go, all right, I can see, I can see the termites. If I can see the termites in that wood, you know that entire wood is rotten, rotten mm. right? So if I can see the termites, we're in trouble. So that's toxic, yeah? We're in big trouble here. There's a lot of change that needs to happen. But in that kind of situation, it's like I can't really see the termites, but I think there's something going on. I can hear them. I can hear <laughs> them. I'm sure I can hear them. Mm. I'm sure there's something going on. That bit looks a bit soft, yeah. you know? Um, so it's really about understanding where that actually is, where the, where the, um, I guess, critical pain points are mm-hmm. and the real pain points, not the perceived ones. So, so I'm a CEO of a business, mm-hmm. new CEO. I've done my 100 days and I've realised, my, my first 100 days, and I've realised that the business isn't where it needs to be mm-hmm. and I want to take it on a, on a journey. Mm-hmm. Where do I start? Mm. So I guess that's the savvy CEO that recognises that culture is part of this process as well. Mm-hmm. It's part of it. Um, they sometimes recognise that there's, you know, it's the people side of culture that they recognise uh, because of those, you know, underlying kind of issues yep. that might be bubbling to the surface. So they hear this stuff but they haven't quite seen it yet. Um, where they start is having a really clear understanding of where they want to go. That's really important. I'm a big believer in if you don't know where you want to go, the direction that you take, you could go all over the shop. So it's understanding current state and future state. Well, it's firstly is understanding future state. So, you know, if you're, say you, um, you know, you want to go to Sydney, you have to have that in mind that you're going to Sydney to enable you to plan how to get to Sydney. If you don't know if you're going to go to Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane, then you just kind of head east. Yeah, you don't say my current state's here in Adelaide. Yeah, my current state's in Adelaide and oh, I'm well. going to head east yeah. but I'm not quite sure where I'm going to end up and it's yeah. like, oh, I've ended up in Melbourne. It's the old but mystery flight. Yeah, well, this is it. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Back, in the, uh, back in the 90s, wasn't it, the mystery right. flight. Yeah, fun. Um, you know, and, and that could be a way of getting somewhere. If you actually don't know where you want to go, yeah. then you end up somewhere. But really, if you really want to go to Sydney, you need to know that before you leave Adelaide. Yeah, that's true. Because then you know which plane to get on or which road to get on or how far you're going to drive and how much, you know, system. So so that for me is the most important thing. Where do I actually want to be? So, again, it comes to? back to purpose. Vision. Vision, strategy. Strategy. That's whole. exactly right. So that's, so that's the, the form. form. Yes. That's the form element. So we really want to look at the form first. So we look at what's the vision, what are the values that support the vision, what's the strategy that supports the vision of where we're actually going to, and then what's the governance around that and how do we actually make decisions around that. And then from there as well, there's the structural elements. So there might be an organisational structure or team design structure or design structure that needs to be understood also to enable then the flow to actually happen because that will be, you know, but... 
Too many organizations start with organizational structure review and think that's going to solve their problems. Yeah. It doesn't. It's That's just an outcome. Just getting the strategy right. Getting the strategy right, getting the objectives right, getting the vision and mission right, getting all the expectations. So, you know, in that state, so values are about setting the expectations of behavior. Mm. That's really what it is. So it's not enough to go, we're going to be, you know, innovative is our value. It's what does innovative look like in action in our business? And if innovation looks like we just want to chip away and make, you know, continuous improvement activities, we probably have continuous improvement instead of innovation. Yeah, yeah. But at least it's described. So it's not like, oh, okay, somebody from Facebook comes in and goes, woohoo, innovation, great, I'm going to go innovate. And off they go. And then they get stymied, <laughs> you know, mm. halfway through. Um, because it's actually, no, no, it's just continuous improvement that we want. So being able to really operationalize those values into yeah. behaviors, that's the expectation setting. I remember Reform you, expectations. I setting. remember you saying once about even just when you are thinking or uh, analyzing the values of a business, when you use the, the wording we value in front of the actual words, yep. then that's when it actually becomes. So we value innovation. Mm-hmm. We value safety, I guess, mm-hmm. is another one. Mm-hmm. We value the safety of our people. Yeah, absolutely. That's, it is fundamental because there's so much like honesty and, and truth and these respect and all these things, mm-hmm. they should just be. Shouldn't they just, shouldn't you just respect people? Why, yeah. You know, like, yeah. They're, they're um, what I would call the, 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 the vanilla, well, I call them the yeah. vanilla values yeah. or the Google set values, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So th- those kind of baseline human values, we can have that expectation that trust, respect, integrity you know honesty those are just baseline human values and we want those baseline human values in our people we don't have to have them in our values company values set no to expect them in our people well it should be an expectation i think if like if you are working for this business it is expected that you respect your peers it is expected that you try mm. to build a trusting relationship. Uh, yeah. To, to ask anything different of that is crazy, I think. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, just having those expectations of being a decent human. Yeah. Don't be a jerk. That's, yeah, don't be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be a jerk. Yeah. That's kind of it. Um, it. We're laughing because my favorite way of explaining yeah. culture is don't be a jerk and yeah. get shit done. Yeah. You know, that's really what it's Absolutely. about uh, when you break it really simply down. But uh, so that's where to start is mm. actually really looking at what are, what am I wanting to achieve? Where do I want to go to? And what are the expectations that I'm going to set for my business, what am I going to set? Where am I, I going to? And it doesn't just have to be a CEO, does it? It's like it could be CIO, mm. CFO, mm. COO. It could be a manager of a team or project. Yep. It's about getting the right culture on a specific project that yep. you're delivering or if you're looking at a digital transformation program. Mm-hmm. We want to, yeah, because, it, it, I mean, we've said it once before and many times again, if, if you have the vision, strategy and objectives uh clear and communicated up front Mm -hmm. the rest will seem to fall into place well it can do Mm -hmm. as long as that is the targeted outcome yeah what ends up happening in businesses and, and usually when you're coming in and doing culture change it's because the business has been well established for quite some time 
So it might be that the expectations were put into place, you know, 20 years ago and the expectation was that we will behave in a certain way, an innovative way or a collaborative way or whatever. But over time, we've put all of these systems and processes and practice in place, which actually stop us from being able to meet those targets. And the reason that we do that sort of stuff is we manage by fear Mm. or we manage by, we don't manage by exception, we manage by rule. So, you know, for example, um, you know, someone's uh, stolen money out the till, that one person stole money out the till, therefore, instead of saying don't steal money out the till and you need to now leave the business, we say I'm going to write a process and a policy that stealing money out the till is is wrong and these are all the steps you now have to go through to actually get money out of the till. So we put a 10-step process in place that needs signed off from the manager for the other 50 people that are in the business because that one person took money out of the till. Mm. We do this constantly in businesses. We make a policy for the one percenters instead of making a policy for the 99 I saw this at a previous business and you will know which business <laughs> I'm talking about where someone actually slipped uh, and fell in the showers and there was a mm. communal, there was change rooms. Change and rooms and stuff, yeah. and fell in the showers and so they banned showering at work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. you just think to yourself, that's one incident yeah. in the two or 3,000 people that go to Absolutely. work every single day. You, you're going to have the old accident, mm-hmm. you know. It could have been as simple as just put non-slip stuff on the floor. Absolutely. But but, it, yeah. but, but instead went down the track of, right, oh, we're just going to ban You're going to ban it completely. Yeah. So it was, a, it was mm-hmm. an interesting call. Yes. And it wasn't well received. Yes. Yeah, and it's constant. Like yeah. they, this happens in businesses all the time mm. that we policy for the 1% rather than 99%, mm. which means that we now have a layer cake of policies and procedures and systems that we have to actually get through to just do our job. Yeah. There's so many people's jobs out there that are just managing process. Yeah, that's Their whole job, that, like yeah. 40 hours a week, you know, 100 grand a year maybe, just managing a process. Yeah. Because that process is in place because we think that we need it to stop people from doing what we don't feel like we can trust them to do. You know, it's crazy. Yep. It's just crazy. So, you know, these are the things that stop us from enabling those expectations to happen. So the expectations are first step. The next step is current state. And current state needs to look at not only what the people are feeling about the business but how we're actually producing the outcomes for the business. Mm. And that's much more important. I find more often than not the culture, the true culture issues are in that flow area, mm. not in the feel area, not in the, um, the form, form area. area. Yeah. It's the I've now layer caked these processes so that nothing can actually happen. Therefore, I'm frustrated I'm frustrated because I can't get, you know, anything done. The procurement team's stopping me from getting my job done. Well, the procurement team are, are utilising that layer cake of yeah. processes that have been put in place from people previously. Is it know? also the connection that there is no real line of sight in the flow area, like the process area, to the actual strategy? Yes. So we're just doing work for the sake of doing Absolutely. work. There's no connection to oh, yeah. the greater good. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. So it's yeah. about cleaning that area. It's up. cleaning that up. Yes, absolutely. And this mm. is the this is the challenge for culture shift because 
when we start looking at what actually needs to change, because it's not just that, it's the decisions of the leader. Mm. So the leader is going to have to say, all right, I'm going to get rid of three out of the ten processes because actually those three processes are holding us back from enabling what we're doing. But to do that, they then have to increase the trust that they have, be able to let go of their, you know, their control maybe over the situation. They have to change their own behaviour, their own mindset around it to enable that decision to actually happen. Mm. So there's an individual shift that needs to happen to enable the culture shift to happen as well. And this is where the interplay between capability, leadership and behaviours is so important in shifting all of this change. We know that to shift a culture you have to change the systems and processes and structure. And we know that the systems, um, processes and practices won't shift unless the behaviour and leadership capabilities shift. So this is where it all interplays. And that's why when, you know, I, I quite often joke that culture is like an octopus with, you know, 10, head, 10 heads and 80 legs, yeah. right? So that's kind of what it's like because it intermingles with every Everything. single thing. And when you start unpicking one bit, you can see another bit start to unravel. Yeah. And then you can see somebody else shutting down shop because they're like, oh, you're trying to change my stuff and that's really impacting on me and that's my status. Well, it's the and ecosystem. That's my, Totally. That you go back Absolutely. And you take away the, the, the bugs and then all of a sudden the worms and mm-hmm. the birds don't eat and then. That's the, exactly the, the it. Pollen, the bees and all, yes, whatever. So yes. I'm very interested in understanding like a CEO, like well, a leader of a business. Let's not talk CEOs. A leader of the business mm-hmm. comes to you and says, uh, Michelle, the, the culture of, of the business, I'm really interested in how we can improve. Yeah. What what are you? What is the services that you offer? Do you, do you, can you go in there and do like a health check? Do you go in there and just completely do a whole brand new brand <laughs> spanking transformation? Like what? It, what is? How do? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so normally we start with a health check mm-hmm. on it, um, and that's usually just going through those form, flow, and feel, and and seeing where they're at. Yep with it so that's uh, an element that we can we can work with businesses and then what that does is actually provide some recommendations for next steps Mm -hmm. and then the next steps might be all right let's figure out if the expectations are where you want them to be if not we do a vision might do a vision refresh we might do a values refresh we might take the values and actually operationalize them into behaviors that's Mm -hmm. quite often Mm -hmm. what we do because you know they have a set of values that's beautiful on the you know in the wall but they don't necessarily have them operationalized in their business Mm -hmm. so that's part of it Um, we'll then look at okay well how does that then translate into strategy to have a clear strategy that people understand Mm. what are they aiming towards is that then aligned then to your planning process as well so does the strategy flow into your business plans does your business plans flow into your personal plans so these are all you know structural elements so we have a look at that and that all comes from that health check so Mm. we'll have a look at the structural elements first you know see where they're at i walked into one business um, a few years ago and they had redesigned all of their strategies right they'd redone their vision they'd redone their strategy which was great. And then I went into each of the departments and each of the departments had done a vision, values and strategy set. So there was a vision, values and strategy for the business and then each of the seven departments had a vision, values and and strategy set. And I was saying to them, well, what wins? At the end of the day, what wins? What are your people guided by? 
or the the department set. So why are they employed by this business? Like, why is it not consistent? So when they then work with one of these other departments, who's you know you're saying you value collaboration and they're saying they value performance, how are you working together? How does that how does that work? Oh, well, well, just we just kind of figure it out. Oh, okay. Well, wouldn't it be better if you just used the same oh, set of yeah. values? You flow. That's the flow, mm-hmm. right? So they'd actually, what they'd end up doing is creating seven completely distinct businesses and almost competitive businesses. Yeah, talk about silos. Within, yeah, Yeah. that's right. And there were distinct silos because even their strategy and their values and their vision was different than Mm. the company overall. So what we look at, so that there was an element of where I've said you need to, yes, have an internal strategy, have a translation of the values that works for your department. Yeah, what does it mean here? What does the vision of the organization mean for your department? What's the purpose, you know, the value proposition of your department? Have that, but it has to flow from the company one. Otherwise, you're seven different companies mm. and you're never going to work together. It's always going to be competitive. It's worrying. So that that was a health check yeah. that we did there and the recommendation was you need to change this Brilliant. up. So the health check then turns into a larger program or a smaller Generally, program? Generally, like, yeah. yeah. It does sometimes. I mean, sometimes we go into a business and that's all they want and they want yep. to take it from there and that's up to them to do that. Um, but more would, often… Then you just advise in the background? Yeah, yeah. And more often than not though, it becomes a, a program where they want to have ongoing support. Who owns that? Generally the CEO. Yeah. Yeah, or whoever is the top of the the, the, the tree. So yeah. they are the sponsor of. Um, culture isn't everybody business though, mm. right? So it's not just one person. It has to be owned by everyone. Mm. Um, saying that, I fully believe that if everybody's accountable, nobody is. So yeah. there is accountability points yeah. in it. So it's generally the CEO or the managing director or whoever it is is the sponsor of the program. They're driving it. They're, yeah. they're you know, this is what we want. This is what we need. We're setting the vision. The executive team have a huge role to play. The next level of management have a huge role to play. The staff have a huge role to play. Um, generally in that sort of scenario, if it is a we want to shift from one place to another place, um, they'll bring either me in as the director of transformation or we put in another um, director of transformation or a manager of transformation or whatever it might be. So someone from a, you know, culture, leadership, mm-hmm. organizational development, understanding background, yeah. background and uh, that sort of organizational excellence background um, to manage the the project because it becomes a project yeah. in the first instance. Um, if it's a longer term thing, Quite often there is a internal director or mm-hmm. executive member that's the owner, let's yeah. say, of the, the program of work. Um, this is when it's a shift. If it's, there's no shift and it's actually this is our culture, every single human being in that business owns the culture. Does it always have to be though at an organisational level? Can you work no. with individual teams? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Um, we have the, those kind of conversations constantly. It's, you know, the, the culture. We want to work on our culture but there's this, you know, big beast of the culture that sits outside. The, yeah. um, now the way we do that is we absolutely work with the, the team culture being cognizant of the bigger culture mm. overall. So it might be that we go um, we'll do some values work with them. So what are the values of the business and how do they operationalise within your team Mm. 
how are you working together as a team? So it's that connection piece back to the greater picture. It's connection, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So what's the purpose for your yeah. team within the bigger bigger vision picture, and, and yeah. picture? Um, how are you interacting together? And then how do you interact with the broader group? Yeah. Because the reality is is that external culture absolutely has an impact mm. on the team culture. So culture's a beast. <laughs> it sure is. That's what I'm hearing here. <laughs> yeah. It's there's so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me as if leadership play such a pivotal point mm. uh, part in this this whole transformation process of moving your culture from one state to a new newer improved state absolutely yeah if leadership aren't bought in then generally you don't get called is that the way or if they if they buy in look we need to improve our culture and then go go and do and i'm just going to sit in the background and not do anything what happens then (laughs) yeah um i get frustrated yeah (laughs) Uh, working in that kind of i guess what i'm saying is they have to be really it, it, it becomes an expectation of yours that leadership are in this oh absolutely they have to be in it yeah Yeah. if they're not in it then it's not going to change it's It's not not going to happen so if it's we're working with a team it can't be that the team leader brings us in and goes can you go and fix my team for me yeah because they're part of the team they're part of the ecosystem of the team so same as if a ceo brings us in and says go fix the culture of my business um they're part of the ecosystem so they have to be involved in it they have to lead it you know that's the the reality um there are things that people can do within cultures that improve their day-to-day that they can take control of. You know, there's um, there's a lot of, you know, simple things that they can do. We've got a, a DIY culture uh, mm-hmm. starters as well that um, people can download, um, which will give them lots of different ideas of things that they can do on a day-to-day basis. And there's simple things like, you know, to increase connection with each other, just being um, courteous, yeah, you know, being able to say good morning to people oh, and huge. good night, that sort of stuff. You wouldn't is, have thought just saying hello to someone. Oh, people undervalue that, honestly. <laughs> they really think. undervalue it. And then they'll tell me, but I'm not here to make friends. I'm like, no, you're not. Be here no. to do a job and no. be friendly. Part but, of, that's part of being but friendly. If you're a leader, if you, like my attitude has always been if you are a leader in any way, shape or form, it is your job. It is your job to bring your team together. To bring your team together. Yeah. To be to, part of it, to right. include, to say hello, to mm. create a culture within that team yeah. that is trustworthy, that is yeah. transparent, that is radical, radically, what is radical, radical candor. candor. That's yeah. the one that you, 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 <laughs> yeah. you say quite often. So. I, look, the way I describe the leader's role is your role is to create an environment where people can reach their full potential. Yeah. That's really what your job is as a leader. So you're not going to create that environment where you're you're shutting down the humanness of people. Mm. People need to be connected. We're hardwired for connection. Mm. And when we feel disconnected, that's when we start feeling things like shame and anger and fear and all of those negative emotions that don't allow us to actually produce our best. So if it's as simple, like it, honestly it's simple as saying good morning to your people and being friendly, why wouldn't you do oh. that? Like oh, why wouldn't you? Oh, I you don't ne- understand you, why you, you wouldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, I've had this, you're never too busy to say hello to Absolutely. Sure. And even if you're in a grouchy old mood in the yeah. morning, you can still say good morning, yeah. you know, and actually it might help you get out of the grouchy yeah. mood. I've always used the mentality that right out there right now there is a CEO or a, a leader in a higher position than I mm-hmm. 
who is busier than I mm-hmm. saying hello to his staff yeah, or, or yeah. her staff, right? Absolutely. So there's no excuse for me yeah. or, or anyone to not yeah. do that. I used to, you know, you look at uh, Barack Obama, mm. he would walk around and say hello to everybody mm. in the morning and I'm like, if he can walk around and say good morning to people, this is Barack Obama, the mm. President of the United States, then anybody can. Yeah, absolutely. I don't use the current orange one as the uh, <laughs> as he's clearly yeah, not well. saying hello to anybody. <laughs> Except to himself in the mirror. He's, he's putting people down. <laughs> oh, which he's is terrible. Let's is, not go uh, on to the orange man because we'll, we'll, we'll be here forever. <laughs> we won't. Um, we don't want to turn this Oof, into a, no. a negative talk. So <laughs> the, uh, I guess what is some low-hanging fruit? Before we wrap up, what's some low-hanging fruit on, on trying to improve the culture? Mm, I guess let me just go through, I guess, the the overarching process and yeah. then people can choose their own low-hanging fruit in that. Yeah. Setting the direction, where do I want to be? So setting that vision, where am I going? Yeah. Then having a look at current state. What's actually stopping me from getting to that place? Because mm-hmm. if that's where I want to go and I'm not there yet, there's something stopping me, yeah. finding the barriers to that. What's the current state? Then from there, analyzing those gaps. Mm. The gaps are where you'll find the things you need to focus on and work on. So it might be as simple as the gaps are is nobody saying hello to each other in the morning. <laughs> Let's start saying hello to each other in the morning. The gap might be there's a process that's actually stopping us from delivering what we need to deliver and it's not a useful process. Let's get rid of it. Let's change it, whatever it might be. The next bit is then to go, all right, now that we've done that, we've taken, we've put a plan in place, we've taken some action, let's evaluate to see if that's actually working. Mm. That's that's one area that people forget to do is we've put this action in place to try and change some of our cultural outcomes but we're not actually going back and looking at if they've actually changed the outcomes that we want. Because Mm. more often than not, because culture is such a beast and it's so complex, you might put an action in place that you think is going to have the impact that you want it to have and it doesn't, has a different kind of impact, impacts on something else or it highlights another barrier that you didn't see and you have to deal with that barrier as well. So that feedback loop is really important, that evaluation loop is really important. And then you go back to the beginning. Has that actually reached the target that we wanted? No, it hasn't. What's the current state of play? What are the barriers in place? How do we get rid of those barriers? Let's see if it's, you know, evaluate again. Mm. So it's that real loop, loop, loop. And it takes time. It that takes was gonna, a lot yeah, of time. <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Uh, can culture be changed in 6 to 12 months? Um, your climate can be changed in 6 to 12 months. Processes can definitely be changed in 6 to 12 months. Um, even interaction between people can get changed in 6 to 12 months. You can definitely shift a culture in 6 to 12 months. Uh, whether it's a sustainable change mm. is a whole other, you know, story. Yeah. So you can shift but it's not necessarily – it doesn't necessarily mean that you can stay. There. No, not necessarily. It's like your weight, right? You go on that's a diet, right. you lose some weight, three yeah. weeks later you put it all back That's on. right because unless you've built it into yeah. the structural elements of your business and the ongoing elements, then you might revert back yeah. to where you were. So it's a real, it's an ongoing game. Culture is a daily thing. Mm. It's not a one-size-fits-all project. Mm. It's not a, just a program of work. If somebody's going to come into you and sell you, you know, a, a, here you go, here's a training program that you'll go on and, you know, change your culture in one day kind of of deal. A couple of workshops. It's not going to happen. You know, it might start you thinking in that way, you know, design your perfect culture workshop. Fantastic. Create a positive workshop culture. Fantastic for starting you to think about 
culture. Mm. Great. It's not going to fix your culture though. You actually have to do the work. So it does take it. It's not necessarily hard work. It is complex work sometimes. And it does take thinking. And it takes internal change as well. Mm. You have to be willing to let things go. So, you know, there's, there's barriers and resistance factors in play that you need to work through to enable that change to actually occur. I guess that's why you get called upon a fair bit because you can help scalpel that path can't you really it's, yeah. it is a complex yeah brain really isn't it and you're there helping them pick the points and yeah yeah helping them in their direction it the, the quote the um uh, i think it's the albert einstein quote that says you can't solve a problem by the thinking that created the problem yeah that's where bringing somebody in who's external to your business having that um clean fresh eyes yeah. and different kind of thinking will enable you to make shifts and changes because yeah. I, I my role... And it's the hard uh, truths that come well, out of Yeah, my role is essentially to challenge mm. and to ask the questions that haven't really been asked, mm. you know, and it's to to challenge the the norms the and the status that, quo. It's the things that... So it's uncomfortable, of, yeah. you know, and I'm not liked sometimes. <laughs> well, but I think it's so simple. I mean, how many times have, has something just been staring at you at the fa- in the face and you've all looked at it and not seen it someone external comes along and goes... <laughs> what's what's yeah, that about? Yeah, you know, uh, if you move that box from there to there, it'll actually make a difference. Go, oh, for oh, crying out Jesus. loud! Yeah, I paid, I paid all this money for that. <laughs> but it, that, well, you you know, yeah. the productivity that comes out of it is huge. Yeah, well, that's right. And I mean, you know, you, you obviously you bring in a consultant, you pay for their expertise yeah. not to move the box. Yeah, it's the expertise but it goes with to anything. know that you have but to move not, the box. It's not just culture; it goes with anything. You know, Absolutely. You look at uh, what, what, who, the the people that uh, that deliver babies. What are they called? Midwives? Not midwives, the actual... Obstetricians. Obstetricians. <laughs> you pay ridiculous amounts and he sits there and he watches the midwife uh, <laughs> deliver the baby. And he said, I, I remember that when my wife was uh, we having our, our first and he, and he had a trainee in the room mm-hmm. and he was coaching the trainee. And I said... I said to him because I knew him quite well and I'm like, I said to him, Doctor, you, we're paying you all this money to be – he goes, you're paying me if anything goes wrong. Yeah, it's the insurance you're not, policy. You're not paying me um, to do the work. You're That's paying right. Me. So, so it's just – it, yes. it is an interesting Absolutely. perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's a plumber story, right? You're not, oh, yes. You're not paying me to, you know, fix the pipe. Yeah. You're paying me to know where and when and how yeah, to fix absolutely. the pipe. So. Spot on. Yeah. There's a good video on that. that there is a good video. <laughs> on our website, check it out. So where can we find any sort of help around the cultural piece? Well, I'm a bit of a plug for my book. Yeah. So everything that I've talked about is in Culture Inc. Culture like Inc. That's the, the, the book there. It's got it's It really is a how-to, step-by-step guide to transforming yep. your culture. So you've given up all your secrets. There's a lot of secrets in there. I mean, okay. it doesn't give up everything because obviously no. I've had 20 years <laughs> of, um, of What's playing the in this game. What's the experience that comes with it? In there, it really? is, it is. And sometimes it's, it's, it's the in the moment. So that's where the consulting is and the advisory part of it is really helpful because mm-hmm. – I will ask a question in the moment that I wouldn't have necessarily written in the book because yep. it's something that's right there for that business yeah. at that time. And it's like that's the question that needs to be asked right now. So Culture Inc's on Amazon, on the City Synergy IQ website. It's on the Synergy IQ website, um, Booktopia, which Booktopia. is an Australian um, 
book oh, yeah. distributors. So, you know, buy through Booktopia. That's a, a good one. But Amazon, um, you That's can buy well. through there. It's on Kindle. Uh, and oh, uh, yeah, and on, audio on my website. If you go to michelleholland.com or Michelle T. Holland, sorry.com, there is a ability to buy the book and get the audio for free. Brilliant. As well. Excellent. Mm-hmm. And if people want some information about changing their culture, just go to synergyiq.com.au and uh, there's lots of resources on there. There's uh, some free downloads and uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always posting cool things and give us a call and we can have a chat. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. We'll chat again soon, no we doubt. We sure will. <laughs> Take care. Try and stop See us. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you once again for joining us here at Creating Synergy. It's been great spending this time with you. Please jump onto the Synergy IQ Facebook page where the discussion continues after the show. Join our mailing list so you'll know what's happening next at synergyiq.com.au. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you really enjoyed it, please share it with your friends.